Hello, and welcome to another episode of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard, alongside none other than John Tesh. John, how you doing? I'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready to hear this interview. You, you're ex- yeah, so our guest this week is Lindsay Teague Moreno. Now, uh, she is a mom entrepreneur. You get that mom yeah, yeah, entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. Look, you may. You, it seems annoying, like oh, what's that? Yeah, it's she, annoying. She lives it. She really lives it. Now, uh, we, we're going to talk. She's got a book called Boss Up that's out, and it is it. The focus of this interview and of 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 her book is about uh, letting moms know that there are ways that they can make money or or ways that they can find career fulfillment while they have their children, which which uh, while, while they feel the tug to stay at home with their kids, and she talks about how. If you're a mom right now that doesn't have, uh, that needs to work and you can't be with your kids, that's okay. If you're a mom that is staying at home with your kids and you really want something else, that's okay too. It's very empowering for that. Now, it's, it, that's her focus, but I got to tell you, I walked away from this interview feeling really, really energized, uh, and I am not a mom, as you can probably tell by the sound of my voice. I am, uh, I am a dad, but I, I did not feel, I feel like this is stuff that everybody could hear about empowering yourself to follow your dreams and empowering yourself to find and create a business with uh, things that you're passionate about that you're surrounded by. Listen, I'm very excited about this. I am, I am a, as you know, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I had a, I had a, a running store, a roller skating store in, uh, in New York. And, and uh, when I was a little kid, I had, a, I had a, a, a lemonade stand where I sold lemon. My dad taught me how to sell lemonade futures, right. so, I, so I never had to make the lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> but I sounds like it, sounds like your dad was getting ready to work for Enron. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Good one. Um, but but this sounds also a lot like our our buddy. Well, we think he's our buddy because we love his books. Uh, Four hour work week author yeah, Tim, Tim Ferriss, Ferriss yes. who talks a lot about this. I'm I'm fascinated by this because it can be it can be done in this <clears throat> excuse, excuse me in this economy in this type of. Uh, uh, you can stay home with your computer, and if you know what you're doing, right. you can't find this out though by just sort of searching the internet because right. because everybody's saying, oh, you can make five dollars a minute by this, you know. Yeah. But uh, so I'm I'm really excited about this. Yes, and then and this also, I mean, again, it's very empowering if you if you've been curious about how to make a little bit of money on the side, uh, or or if you want to start a company while you have children, or if you don't have children and you just feel like you don't have enough time in the day. This is the person that you need to be listening to in the book you need to read. Also, more than ever before, baby boomers, people my age, are retiring but yes. don't really want to retire. They right. have to sort of have to retire because the workplace said, hey, listen, we have younger people than you. Um, and, and that's been that's younger, been a problem. cheaper. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, but but still, they're still vital and really want to work. And so, this is this is really not for stay at home moms. This is for stay at home people. This and just for people in general. Honestly, really? even yeah, if you yeah, have yeah. a day job, yeah. this you want to add you want to add ten, even ten grand a year. Yeah. You can. You know, yeah. she, but she's she's talking seven figures, right? Oh, she makes millions and millions of dollars at this right. point. But that's yes, amazing. and she started like seven, eight different businesses. I it, it, she she's incredible. So that's incredible. a great that's a great tease for just sticking around and and, and listening. There's, there's Something that uh, even if you're like, ah, I'm not gonna, I'm not really an entrepreneur. You, 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 you could end up being one. Look, we all have to right. have, like you were saying. I think, I think especially in this economy, we all have to have an entrepreneurial mindset. The the days of of having cost of living raises for your entire life and working for the same company for thirty years and retiring on a pension that you paid into for all those years, yeah, that's gone. Yeah, that doesn't exist anymore. Your, you know, pensions are being raided, people are being fired, uh, downsizing's happening, and. You have to be an entrepreneur for yourself. You have to treat yourself like a business. There's no other way to do yeah. it. Now, before before we get to her, uh, there's something. There's more information now, more data that's come out about music and uh, and yeah, math we love and this science. Stuff. Yeah, because I've been saying this for years because I've, I've I've sought out studies like this, but now 
there was a study on 100,000 high school students by the University of British Columbia, and they found that kids who did well at math, science, and English, there was a direct correlation to those who took music lessons or who were in bands. And we've talked about this on, oh, the, yeah. on, on the show. Uh, so, so first, your comment on this, and then I want to talk about the difference between a solo instrument and, and actually sitting in an orchestra or even a choir. Look, I, I, think, I, I think that uh, what, mu- what music teaches you helps you with literally everything. So, so music involves a little bit of mathematics and, and spatial reasoning. It involves, uh, it involves art because you have to hear and experience the music from an emotional level if you're going to connect to it and actually make good music. Uh, if you're like you were talking about, if you're in a group setting, you got to learn how to blend and you got to learn how to find your voice in there. Uh, there's competition like there is, you know, if you're in an orchestra or choir, there's competition like there is on a sports team. And look, it also takes a lot of time and discipline. And in order to in order to make music work in the context of everything else, you've got to kind of manage your time that way, which are all skills that will make you great across the board academically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just I. My mom wanted me to be a a, a piano player because the whole family was playing piano and, and mm-hmm. string instruments and stuff. So, so I, I you know, I've talked about this on stage all the time where I, I was forced to you know to play piano and to take lessons and everything, and I hated it at the time, but it really it uh, it it changed me and it shaped me, especially for for discipline. But the real change for me came from a guy, and it's actually in the book that I'm just about finished. Uh, I've got a man, man named Doctor Wagner. I can't, you know I don't. Even, uh, up until about two months ago, I didn't even know his first name because you never call your teacher by their first right, name, right. Mr. Wagner. Yeah, right, 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 right. And he got teacher of the New York State Teacher of the Year twice because he was he, he just believed that everybody should be sitting in a band or an yeah, orchestra. It's true. And so when you got to Garden City Elementary School, Stewart Avenue School, what what they would do is they'd say, okay, here, just just put down on the list the three instruments that you that that you. Yeah, there wasn't a choice, right? So they either it either handed you a trumpet or or uh i wanted drums but there's only one percussionist right. in the orchestra and by the way drums <laughs> drums in a band is fun yeah. drums in orchestra is hard. like it's like hard counting for 53 measures yeah. and then yeah. boom boom yeah <laughs> but, but 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 to your point and especially when i got to high school and dr chatterton who was he was like he was the guy who would throw the baton that he'd be arrested today for the way he was teaching us but we learned discipline, and we also it was like a sports team, yeah. where you could challenge oh, the yeah. person person ahead of you and take their position away from them, and just like a quarterback, right? And if you want to have good, if you want to have the good lines, if you want to have good uh, songs that feature your instrument, you've got to prove that it's like starting. It's, right. You want to start. You want right. you want the play to be drawn up where you get the shot in basketball. You want the you want the orchestral master to pick the the concert master to pick the uh, songs that feature your instrument, you know? Right, right. Like, oh, we have a great, you know, we have a bunch of great clarinet players, so we're going to play Peter and the Wolf this year. Right, right. That's, that's, yeah, that's beautiful. That's you know, versus, versus like a, a Mozart violin concerto. Yeah, yeah. And there's also, you know, we, we're always talking about being distracted. In the hour, in the hour, sometimes it's two hours in college, but for, in the hour that you're in band or orchestra, and let's say you're rehearsing for a recital, there's no chance to be to be distracted. If you're distracted for one measure, oh yeah, four beats, you're done. Right. Yeah. And, and then the and people so, around you give you a hard time for dropping the ball. Right. Metaphor. Right. Bec- well, because they're counting on you too. Right. Because you're, if you're playing wrong notes, then your whole section is uh, right. Is, is, is exactly. Due. So anyway, for those of you out here, you know, grandparents, aunts, uncles, but and and even if you're you know 60 years old, it's not too late. Oh, and to get into a, how, a community orchestra. First of all, how many times have we talked about how good learning a new any kind of new skill, but particularly learning new instruments is for your brain i mean like i'm trying i try to teach myself a new song or a new instrument like weekly 
I'm always trying to learn something and like play it, be able to play a song on sure. a new instrument or play a right. new song on an instrument. Well, you play ukulele for your kids every single night. Every single sleep. night. That's yeah. how I, I I sing songs for them. We 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 I put them to sleep with that, and it's it's good. It, they, there's something about live music for your kids. Yeah, yeah. And there's also something about for my I do it for, as much for myself, where I'm learning new songs and teaching them to my kids, and we're singing together, and we fall asleep that way. It's it's phenomenal. Yeah, and you don't have to. You're like, wait a second, I can't learn how to play trumpet. I'm 65 years old. No, but so ukulele is super easy. Uk- yeah, for you. Ukulele is easy. You can learn it on, online. And, and, and also, there are, I mean, there are choirs all, just oh, plug yeah. into your church. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, and, look, I, I, like you said, it, there's, it's never too late to start. And if you have kids, like, get them. We, it's, so many schools have cut their music programs because yeah, it yeah, does, it's yeah. not part of the math, science, and English uh, funding pa- pathway for them. But the reality is that, when you have when you have invested in the arts in your school and when you've invested in the arts with your kids, the whole school, the whole academic mind benefits. And that's something that's really being missed when we overfocus on math, science, and English performance. Uh, your performance will actually get better if you do this. Also, you're going to have more time to do have this. We sold, it's like we're, it's like know, we're selling tapes. Know, we're not, know, we have no skin in this game. <laughs> we just believe it strongly. We just believe in you. It, uh, but if you, if you want more time to do this, right, if you want, it, you want to be able to practice, you want to learn an instrument, you're going to take lessons, you want to get in the, in the choir, the best way to do this, especially if you're, you know, if you're just looking for, you know, looking for a million dollars extra to uh, spending money, then you got to keep listening because <laughs> this, right. book, this book with, uh, that Lindsay wrote, Boss Up, once you set it up and we'll, we'll okay, get started so here. Okay, so once again, Lindsay Teague Moreno is our, is our guest today, and she's going to talk about everything you need to know about uh, motivating yourself to become the entrepreneur within, whether you're a mom entrepreneur, a dad entrepreneur, or a single entrepreneur, uh, or a retired entrepreneur. I'm, I'm making a lot of portmanteaus. I like the entrepreneurs, yeah, yeah. 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 So in, in a minute, we're going to have that. But before we go to that interview, real quick word from our sponsors, Weeder Artery Health. Right out, of that inter- right out of that ad, we are going to go right into our interview with Lindsay Teague Moreno. Hey, it's John Tesh here to tell you about Weeder Artery Health. If you're concerned about maintaining your heart health, I urge you to check out Weeder Artery Health. It's crucial to maintain healthy and flexible arteries, and that's where Weeder Artery Health comes in. It has clinically researched key ingredients like vitamin K2, which is hard to get enough of from food alone. Weeder Artery Health uses MenaQ7 as the source of vitamin K2. It's been clinically shown to help transport calcium to your bones. Weeder Artery Health also includes an ingredient called Aronia Berry, which improves circulation and helps maintain blood pressure by keeping arteries flexible. Proper blood flow is your lifeline, and I want you to live a long and healthy life. So grab a box of Weeder Artery Health. I get mine at Costco for the best value, and you can too. Or you can visit Weeder.com. Go to Costco.com or Weeder.com for Weeder Artery Health. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Lindsay Teague Moreno, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. We are we are just we are pumped. You have done so many amazing things. Like you're a you, you're a multi oh, before we were talking about this, you said you don't want to talk about how much money you made, but <laughs> Your bio says multimillionaire mompreneur. Yeah. And yeah. You, you've now written a book about 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 how to be a mompreneur, how to be a right. mom boss. Right. Uh, and I got to tell you, when we first had kids, not you and I, we don't have you and I. Have <laughs> uh, we've never met before. Um, but but when we first had kids, like we were, at, I was at a baby registry place, and like one of the sales ladies, like you know what you got to do. Is you got to like invent something that every mom needs, and then you don't have to ever work again. And I was like, okay, 
So can I just get the wipes warmer and move on? My my right. point being, my point being, you really did what I was warned to do. Uh, and, uh. and how did how did you how did you how did you? <laughs> uh, by choosing what to let go of. So, you know, listen, my my story is a little bit crazy, but also not that different than most people's. Where I uh, grew up. I grew up knowing I wanted to be an entrepreneur when I was young. I just knew, hey, owning a business is something that I wanted to do. I can remember, I talk about in the book, I can remember walking down the aisles of a supermarket when I was young, like elementary mm-hmm. school age. And, you know, all the girls are like, I'm going to be a ballerina. I'm going to be a, an astronaut. And, you know, like for me, I was like, I'm going to invent something that everybody needs, right? Yeah. And See, you need, fill so- need. <laughs> Exactly. I was like, I can maximize profits. Like I was already like, Hey, I'm going to bring home some cash when I was young. Cause I just knew my parents were struggling. They didn't have the money to do all the things that they wanted to do. And I was like, that's not going to be my story. I'm going to be rich. Right. (laughs) And it's going to be because I'm going to create a product that everybody needs. And I remember walking down the aisle of the toilet paper and thinking, well, Hey, there's not a human alive that doesn't need toilet paper. I'm going to invent toilet paper. Right. And at that time, you know, my young brain didn't realize, well, you're probably not going to, (laughs) there's probably a lot of competition in the toilet paper game now. So, you know, chances are good that that's probably not going to be your thing. But that was really the first thing that I remember thinking, this is what I'm going to do so that I can make enough money to live the kind of life that I want to live, that I don't have to say no to things because I don't have the money to do it. Right. And so being an entrepreneur was always in my bag. That was just always going to be something that I wanted to do. Um, And my mom was an entrepreneur. She was a real estate agent. And so I went to kind of work for her and she kind of taught me about owning your own business. And I, I loved it. So from the time I was about 25, I started little businesses here or there, side side hustles here and there, um, stuff that helped me with like like photography stuff. I started getting into photography and I became a momographer. And I just kind of figured You're that like a hey, female like, Gary Vanderchuk. <laughs> yeah, I have I've got my hands in a lot of pots. I'll yeah. tell you that. Uh, and as I kind of grew grew up, I I decided you know maybe I you know maybe I'll have kids. I met this this guy that I just fell completely in love with, who this, I knew this would be guy. This amazing. You met this guy. <laughs> love it. Yeah, and he was amazing, and I love him. He's still my husband. His name is Michael, and he's truly my better half. And I just knew that, you know, kids were non-negotiable for him. And I was like, all right, well with him, I can have kids. Right. I just was, I didn't see myself having kids at the time, but when I met him, I was like, oh yeah, I could definitely have kids with him. So when we had kids, I just assumed that when you become a mom and we had agreed, I would be the stay at home mom that I, I, they would hand me babies and everything that I wanted before I had babies would would go away. Right. right? right. But yeah, it just seems so weird to think about that now looking back that I even thought that, but that's truly what I believed. And I don't think I'm alone. Yeah. And then about, it took me about, you know, five minutes to realize I was still the same person. Only now I've got two babies <laughs> because of course we had twins. Of course. So <laughs> we agreed, okay, we'll just have one baby. And Michael was like, great. As long as it's not just all girls, I'm totally down with how many babies you want. And yeah. so we ended up twin girls <laughs> and then we ended up having another girl. Ugh. So my, you just got to be careful what you say. You're not ready. Right, to right, exactly. Yeah. I am not ready to handle twenty billion dollars. I'm just going to put that out in the world right now. Not ready exactly. to handle twenty billion dollars. No Definitely way I can manage ready. it. <laughs> so you know, as as time went by, I just was like found myself more and more unhappy as my role as a stay at home mom. But I had promised my husband to do this. Right, this was what we had decided it was going to be. So it took me a long time to get to that place where I was finally ready to have a conversation where, with him, where I was like. Hey, um, I know moms aren't supposed to say this, but I'm not fulfilled being a stay-at-home mom. Mm. In fact, I don't really like it at all. Yeah. 
And um, I was ashamed of it for so long. And so when I finally came out and, and I just said it, this is, I just, I need something more. Um, it was rough on our marriage at first because Michael felt like, oh, well, what am I not making enough money for us? You know, mm-hmm. I have my dream job. I'm doing everything I wanted to do. I'm making, I'm making six figures for us. How is that not enough? Right. And that really wasn't it. It wasn't really about that. It was really about my own personal fulfillment. And what I realized when I finally came forward to say, hey, this is not my bag and this is not what I was created to do. I love my kids, but I'm not created to be a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. How many women came forward to say, oh, girl, me too. Mm. And when I offer information about how to make that other thing happen, I found women being fulfilled, being excited, being happy, being better mothers and letting their kids see a mother who is fulfilled rather than a mother who hates what she's doing every right, day right. and is afraid to say it. Right. So um, that's kind of where my business was born from was this desire. Uh, once I kind of came out as unhappy as a stay at home mother, a desire to help other women do the same and realize that. Um, once, once we become mothers, it's, it's still okay to want something that we want to put our desires and dreams on an equal playing field as of our family. And I think so many mothers don't do that. (laughs) Right. Right. And so we end up, you know, our kids go off to college at 18 and we end up having to figure out who we are all over again. We have to figure out, do we really even want to be in the marriages that we're in? Do we even know them anymore? We've made our whole life and purpose about our kids and they just left us. Now what? Right. Uh, And I just want women to know that they're, that they can be both. They can be both a great mother and a great business owner if they want to. And I'm going to help them without having to go to business school, figure out how to do that. That's my mission. What I like about so much about that mission too, is that there's a certain amount of personal honesty associated with it. Like sure. I think, I think you know, especially in this day and age where where two two income families is is not just the norm; it's almost a requirement at this point. Unless you're unless you know, unless <laughs> right. you're really killing it. And, Absolutely. Um, like the, the the jobs that pay six figures are in are in cities where you can't live off six figures. So it's hundred percent. We were in Seattle at the time. Right. It's that just a, right. right. It's a crazy situation. So the, the, my point is. If you have the opportunity to be a stay-at-home mom and you are fully fulfilled and happy doing that, that's great. You do not need to feel guilty about that. If you are a mom that needs to keep working and wishes you could be a stay-at-home mom, that's okay too. This might be a great book to help you find a way yes. to, to get best the best of both worlds to increase your income and also like if you are if you have the opportunity to stay at home mom and you just don't like it it's okay you're not a it, there's there's more to you than just being a parent and i think that that's it's great to admit that and it's great to admit what you actually want and i think that's the most empowering thing uh, yeah. about this conversation yeah no i have to agree with you like it's totally okay and there are some women who are made to be stay at home moms that's yeah. what they want that's what yeah. they want to do i know people like that and i I, I love them for it. I'm not that I'm not judging that there's no wrong answer. There's no right answer. But if there is a little stirring in your heart that says there's something more for me, or I want to contribute, I have a desire to have a business. I have a desire to do something more with my life, Mm -hmm. to be seen in a different way. That is okay. And it's nothing to be ashamed about. Yeah. It's, you're absolutely right. There is, there is absolutely nothing wrong with saying that you want something, something more uh, in, in terms of your life. So, so okay, <laughs> you've had this epiphany, this uh, this this moment where you've mm-hmm. decided you want this this more. Mm-hmm. Uh, now you've got 
now you've got a, an uphill battle. You have <laughs> yeah. you have childcare that which is intense. So you got to get you got to figure that out. Plus, also yep. figuring out what exactly it is you're going to invent. Like how do you how do you take that first step? Yep. So for me, it kind of fell into my lap. Look, like I was kind of, I did little side hustles here and there. I did photography. The problem was we were moving a lot. We mm -hmm. moved until my, we decided we would move as many times as we needed to for my husband's career so that he could move up in his job until the girls were old enough to be in school and needed to be in one place, right? So we did that. We moved every single year for the first eight years of our marriage. Wow. And I wow. had to, <laughs> I know it was the worst. Oh, so, just uh, canceling I, the gym memberships alone uh, gives me anxiety. Let me tell you what, we got so good at it. Like, we just really just didn't keep anything. You name it, yeah. we threw it away. Yeah. Like, we just didn't have things. So, when Honey, we you don't want our wedding this... album, do you? <laughs> it's out. It's gone. <laughs> I can't look at it anymore. So we just threw everything away. And we lived on, like, Ikea furniture that we knew wouldn't last a move. And then we mm -hmm. just got rid of it, right? Or gave it away to people that needed it, which was kind of cool. Uh, but anyway, so we moved and moved. And, and every time we, we would move, I'd have to restart up my family photography business and right. re-meet people. Which is not easy <laughs> to do, you know, in, in saturated markets. Yeah. And I just figured, you know, all these places that we're moving, this is for my husband's career. Looking back, it was actually for my career. Everywhere we moved, I learned how to meet new people, how to put myself out there, how to find clients wow. in an environment where I didn't know anyone. Right. Wow. And so that was a great learning lesson for me. And then when I turned 30, I was uh, just had had my my third baby. Her name's Kennedy. She was um, two weeks old, three weeks old. And my mom suddenly passed away. She was mm. extremely healthy, like really just in the prime of her life, ex like excited. She told me she was going to live to be 100 and she died of a massive heart attack uh, because she had an unknown heart attack in her 30s. Uh, wow. due to stress and it, it eventually built up so much scar tissue in her heart that she, her heart burst in her chest. So she dies really suddenly was like a huge blow to me because we were extremely close and she was a huge part of my kid's life. And the problem was that she died when she was 53 years old with all of her some days left on the table. Oh gosh. You now you're, now you're really giving me anxiety. Yeah. Right. I know. And, and looking back, it feels there's a certain amount of guilt as a daughter that I carried around that because she didn't do the things that she needed to do because she was busy taking care of me and my brothers, right? There were someday we're going to go whitewater rafting. Someday I'm going to see Italy. Someday I'm going to go drink the wine there. Someday I'm going to do this and that. And all of those some days were on, on the table when she died yeah. and she was in debt. And at that moment, something snapped <laughs> inside of me, you know, after I kind of went through the initial stages of grief where you realize, okay, this is actually happening. And you start to believe this is your new reality. I just said to myself, I looked at my daughters and I said, nope, <laughs> nope, this is not going to be my story. If I die at 53, I want my kids to know I lived a hundred years of life in those 53 years. Right. And that's going to take money. I need to be a millionaire, not, not in 10 years, not 20 years, not when I retire, I need to be a millionaire now so that I can live the kind of life that may not be for everyone, but is for me. And where I can take the lessons that my mom, my mom's death taught me and use them to create a life that affects other people, that helps others. And that helps me to live a life that's full because my mom didn't get to, and I cannot let her death be in vain. So I picked up that banner and I just started really following down this track. And, and a, about two years later, a business landed in my lap where I was using a product that I loved. It was an essential oils product. 
And I was seeing such great stuff from using it. Mm-hmm. And uh, a friend of mine was like, oh, well, it's an MLM and you can sell it. <laughs> I was like so grossed out. Now, I'm going to preface all of this with I was not an MLM person then. Right. I am not an MLM person <laughs> now. Right, right. I am... I am the opposite of all the things that you think of when you think of a sleazy MLM person. Right. So when I found out that just, just to be ascent- just to be fair to everybody <laughs> out there, there are some really healthy people out there who do sure. multi-level marketing, and that's MLM. Multi-level marketing can be a great way to earn some extra income, totally. and, it, and like your friends who are already interested, in, like it's a it's a great thing. But there are also people who all of a sudden it's like somebody you haven't talked to in forever. They message you on Facebook or whatever. And they're like, let me they, tell you about this opportunity. Right. And you're just like, <laughs> I mean, I okay. can't. Yeah. I, I'd love to just catch up first, you know? Right. So, the, Hey, how is, how are you doing? How was, right. how was everything after high school? Right. And and, and like, <laughs> so okay, I'm now that we've spent that. 30 That's seconds talking about. about that. Now I'm I want to say the this. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I'm talking about the sleaze. And so when my, when, when someone's like, Oh, well, this is an MLM product. I had no idea when I bought it. Mm-hmm. I was like, don't ever talk to me about that again. And I swear to you that this business chased me down the road. It chased me down the road so much so that when I was just talking about it, I ended up earning accidental paychecks from it. Right. And a couple months in, I would, we were on the Dave Ramsey envelope system at the time with my husband. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I got a paycheck for like $750 that mm-hmm. I did not know was coming. And I was freaked out. I was like, dang, if I can make $750 without trying, maybe I could do this in a different way. And let's see how much I can make when I do try. Right. Right, right. So I was, I was told this is, this is my God moment. I'll just say that right now. This is a complete God moment. So if you hadn't had one of those, it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. But for me, it would look like waking myself up out of sleep and getting onto my computer with a complete and full plan for how this was going to happen. And I just, I watched what everyone else was doing. I watched the parts of the business that I didn't like, and I set out to do the opposite of all of that. So I wanted to teach people how to do business without teaching them how to trick someone into using the product, which I think is what many MLM people get wrong. And so my first business that really took off for me was an MLM business. And MLM changed my life. That business changed my life. That company changed my life. That product changed my life. I'm still an advocate for that product. I love what that product did for me because I care about my kids' health. I care about my kids' health over my own health some days. Um, And so that's why we ended up using it. And that's why I was able to build a huge business on it. So that business kind of took off. And and when I say kind of took off, we're six years in right now. And this year, our business will bring in $350 million dollars. There's 50,000 members on my team now, um, all because I said, okay, how can I do this in a way that nobody's ever seen before? Right. How can I present this in a way that's easy and that doesn't create this thing where you had to take advantage of your friends and family? Right. And that's what I did. And I, and, and truly and honestly, I did that by using the 10 philosophies that I lay out in the book that I'm, <laughs> that I'm talking about right now, which is called Boss Up. So boss up is the 10 philosophies of business and they can be used in any business. I'm talking from brick and mortar. doesn't matter if you're a man, woman, (laughs) uh, you know, teenager with a desire to do, to build a business. Uh, all of these 10 philosophies are the things that I feel are imperative in order for someone to reach success, whatever that looks like for them. And, uh, you know, this is not a book that's going to tell you 
this is how you have to do it or this is what your business will look like because I don't know. Everybody wants something different. But it is stuff like, hey, here's how to think about your business Mm -hmm. so that it can be successful. Mm. Hey, here's how to build your brand so that it can be successful. Here's how to sell something so that it can be successful and you can walk away with your head held high. Um, And so that's what this this book is really all about. It's about the, the lessons that I learned and from there, I was able to take those philosophies and create nine other business, two of which, two others of which are multi-million dollar producing businesses wow. based on just these 10 philosophies. Uh, and so I know they can cha- radically transform businesses and lives and help people create purpose in their lives, yeah. even if they have kids at home. Yeah. I mean, I think almost especially if they have kids at home, right? Where you, like, right. this is, this is the thing, but, but yeah. For for anybody, yeah. like like you said, anybody would would need to learn uh, these basic principles. And I think we are so ignorant about. I, I think our whole education system is designed to make us salary employees, right? Like the, you work <laughs> yes. really hard to become a salary employee. Yes. And and so then there are these. Then there is this sort of entrepreneurial world that we enter into, and we go, "Oh wow, that looks interesting," but I just have no idea where to do that or how to do that. Mm-hmm. And is that right. what you talked about? Is that your is that your unsales tactic? Your 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 special unsales tactic? Yeah. So the unsales tactic is really about meeting your customer where they're at and doing what's best for the customer, even if it's not best for your business at that mm. time. Mm. So when I offer a product, like like for example, if I if I'm having I'm having an event in August here in Denver, and it's a sales event, and you come and learn about sales from the people that I look up to the most in the industry, and uh, if someone says to me, I just can't afford the hundred dollar price tag right now, rather than telling them I, I could help you find a hundred dollars or, you know, you could find a hundred dollars or right. crushing them into going into debt to do it. I would say to them, then now is not the right time for you. Let's put together something that allows you to save for the things that you want. I will help you do whatever you need to, to get there. If it's, if it's on your priority, if it's high, if it's of high value, for you. But if it is not, then now is not the time that may not be best for my business, but that relationship that I built will come back to me down the road. Those people will trust me down the road when they do have the money, when it is the right time for them. Mm. And my job is to make sure that what I'm offering is of value to my customer. I'm not trying to trick them into taking it. I'm trying to help them decide that now is the time for them or that the value is there for them Mm. uh, rather than pushing them. And that's really what the unsales tactic is about, because I think a lot of people believe and a lot of women, especially who don't have education in business or have not owned a business before, believe that you have to trick people into it by presenting it as something that it's not by lying about it, by pretending or by pressuring the people that love us that are too afraid to tell us no into trying something that may not be right for them. Mm-hmm. I'm not about that life. <laughs> right. I don't want that. And I want to teach people that it's better for you to say now is not the time for you. And they'll come back to you rather than lose them completely because they're afraid to tell you no. Uh, so so, so uh, this is going to sound like a roundabout way, but I'm going to land this plane, I promise. <laughs> Almost every single major entrepreneur, and I'm talking the ones that people think about when they in the pantheon of like tech giants and all that. Uh, almost every single entrepreneur that you can name did had one job in common. I think it's something like 85, 90% of them all had a certain job mm-hmm. and that job was sales. Mm-hmm. And, and what you're talking about is, I mean, you, you call it the unsales tactic, but what it really is, is, and, and what is at the core of sales is relationship. Yep. And you're talking about using your 
already extrovert personality, your already intense mind, mm-hmm. and um, and really using that to build and foster relationships that will pay off. Maybe not today, but dividends in the long run. Like, wouldn't you rather have somebody 100%. that gives you ten thousand dollars in three years than somebody who gives you a hundred dollars today? And that's what I hear you saying. A hundred percent. And I think that's the reason that. You know, I mean, I probably don't have the most followers. I'm probably not the well, m- most well-known uh, entrepreneur in my space. But the people that I do have that follow me, they are responsive to what I put out, right? They are interacting with me. They're having a relationship with me. When I meet them, they say, I feel like I know you mm. because we have a connection. Because I share things that are good, which is another thing we talk about. I talk, I talk about things that are great and going great in my life. I have got a new book coming out. I've got a publisher. It feels mm-hmm. so good. But I also Positivity. talk about how freaking scaring it is, scary yeah. it is. Yeah. And how, you know, some days it makes me cry out of fear of what people are going to think about this piece of writing that I'm putting into the world, right? And so mm-hmm. I'm really honest with people. And what that does is build connection. Right. Because people really just want to know. Vulnerability that, is huge that too. Yeah, that they're not alone, Right. that they're not the right. only ones that feel that way. Right. And even when you get millions and millions of dollars and can retire, that doesn't go away, mm-hmm. right? And so they just want to know that they're not alone. And because I'm willing to connect with them over things that are good and things that should probably be embarrassing to me, uh, they feel um, a sense of of loyalty mm-hmm. to me. And I feel a sense of loyalty to them. Mm-hmm. And that, that, rela- that symbiotic relationship works. It's endearing. It's endearing it to is. know that when somebody is vulnerable and it really does, it makes, it connects people in a way that, um, that I think goes beyond, that, that, it, that is deeper than you would otherwise get. And I think it's why people that go through traumatic experiences together or through hard times together, like you know, being on a sports team together or going mm-hmm. through a very rigorous uh, degree program with somebody else, it can bond you for life because, oh, because yeah. of the pain and vulnerability associated with it. Yep. You're totally right. You're totally right. Yeah, and so you're basically what you're doing is you're creating that vulnerability uh, over and over and over again. And I feel like also too that's something that you're gonna that that is gonna get better with practice. Like, uh, yeah, it the, does. It does get easier with time. The first time I, you know, really you get that strong vulnerability hangover, and the more and more you do it, the less and less you worry about the people that aren't gonna like it or the people that are gonna judge you for it. Um, and the more you focus on the people that are actually going to be helped by it. Right. 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 So when I talk about counseling, there's plenty of people out there that are like, oh, well, I don't want to follow a leader that's going to counseling. Right. Because there's a stigma around that. But then there's a whole bunch of others that are like, oh, well, if she's, if she can do it, then I can do it. Right. Or if she needs it, then I probably also could use it. Uh, and so I want to, a lot of the things that I talk about, I'm just really actually looking to normalize in women's business because again this this book it the philosophies will work for anyone but mm-hmm. really my my target market are women who need it they need the encouragement they need someone to tell them that what they're feeling and what they're thinking is normal and it's okay mm-hmm. and they need permission they need permission to go out and say this is what I want because it's going to ruffle a lot of feathers yeah. right when you go out and say hey this is what I'm doing how many yeah. people in your life are going to be like oh Oh, great. Oh, right. she's starting a business. Great. Right. Or how, how many husbands are going to be like insecure about that? What am I not doing that you need to do that? Um, and so there's going to be some special circumstances that come along with a female and a mother growing a business. Mm-hmm. And there's no books about it. There yeah. are no resources that tell us how to do it. There's a lot of stories 
tons of people that are telling their story about how they did it, but there's no resources about how they can use that and, and apply the information to their own businesses. And that's what I wanted to write. And Lindsay, that goes right back to what you were talking about at the beginning, the courage that you had to say that you want, that you being a stay at home mom was not enough for you, that you wanted to build something. Yeah. And I think that it's, yeah, there's this something that feels still, even to this day, shameful about saying, Hey, my business is my number one priority. It's the number one, it's my number one value. How many moms say my business is a value to me, even if my kids don't like it. Mm. How many people say my business is a value to me, even if my husband says he doesn't like it. Uh, there are so many moms and, and wives and women who will say, okay, well I'll put that on the back burner until my kids go to college until they leave the house, then it will be okay for me to do what I want to do. And I'm here to tell you, nope, the time is now. You are as important as every other member of your family and what you want matters. Yeah. And, and, and also, by the way, going after what you want is going to, even if it's not something that, you know, that your, your family loves is going to make you better for your family. Oh, I'm such a better mom when I get to do what I want to do. I'm less angry. I'm less, you know, hostile. I'm less uh, frustrated. If I get a full day, if I get to work a day, if I get to wake up and get into my office and do good work for a day, uh, I'm a better mom. And my kids get to see me living in my purpose, which is really what, isn't that really what we want for our kids, right? Not to be clones of who we are, where they feel like they have to grow up and be moms if they want to, but to be be able to say, Exactly. This is what I want and I'm going for it because my mom did it and she wasn't afraid. So I'm not going to be. It's, I mean, and, and that that is so unbelievably valuable. I, I, for me, nothing centers me like a good workout, whether it's a long run or, or or an hour in the gym or something. And I have to take time away and miss certain things in order to get that. But when I'm back, I'm better. And now this is a tiny little sliver of an example compared to what you're talking about, but I definitely, it's definitely something that I feel daily and that, 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 um, that I so to show you that I that I, that I know what you're talking about. Now yep. I know people should buy the book. <laughs> like I get yeah, that, <laughs> but please, I mean, and I know, and I, and I know there's no way that in in the next 20 minutes you're going to be able to go into the kind of detail that the book goes in. But what are the 10 key tenets? Okay, so the philosophies are the first philosophy is to think long term about your business, and rather than thinking what I want right now, long term, what is it you want? What is behind the money? Right? We all know it's going to take money to get there. That's why you're mm-hmm. building a business. It's right. not because of the goodness of your heart. Right. What's behind that? Long term, what do you want? What's behind the money? What's going to fulfill you? So think long term about your business. And in that section, we're going to do a lot of like I'm going to ask you some questions with blanks for you to fill in, so that you can figure out what are your boundaries. What are, you know, what are the things that you want? What are the things that you value? What are you good at? What are the skills that you have that you actually like doing, right? So Mm -hmm. that's where you're going to figure out thinking long-term about your business. The second philosophy is to be unapologetically yourself. It's not get yourself into a situation like Lance Armstrong did where he built a brand on this idea of, you know, this, this is who I am. I'm, you know, a drug free writer cyclist. And then we all find out he's been blood doping, right? Yeah. And it destroys his brand. It destroys the brand that was actually doing a lot of good for a lot of people right. around cancer right. because he wasn't able to be unapologetically who he was mm. because he lied to people and he destroyed a lot of people's careers and therefore his brand is almost worthless. Right. Um, and I, I go into detail on that story and how that affects us, but it's really about being who you are and building your brand on something that is true to you so that you don't have to pretend every day that you show up to work. You don't strike me as the kind of person that would ever 
not be who you are. <laughs> I you... try really hard. Yeah. I was just talking to my counselor about that this morning about how important it is to me to be who I am. And when I, when I don't step into that, when I try to fit into another person's box or mm-hmm. I try to people please, it makes me so unhappy on the inside. Yeah. And as a people pleaser, I, I, I want to be who I am, but I also want people to like me. That's yeah. just the truth. Yeah. Uh, it, there's that's at odds. It feels at odds. And so I'm, I'm going to see a counselor about it, but my <laughs> goal is to be unapologetically who I am and build my brand on yeah. the truth. Therefore letting the people that don't like me go. I'm not focused on those people. I'm not here for those people. I'm not meant to, to touch them. There mm-hmm. is a whole other group that I meant for. And those are the people I want to focus on. Yeah. The third philosophy is to tell stories and connect through feeling. To tell your the information about your product, about your service, about what you do in a story form. Mm-hmm. Because when I tell you a story, mm-hmm. it can change your life, right? The, mm-hmm. the parts of my brain that light up when I'm telling a story that I experienced are the part of your brain that lights up when you're hearing it. We share an experience when I tell a story right. correctly right. with all the parts. So I'm going to teach you how to tell a story and connect to people through feelings, even when it's uncomfortable. The philosophy number four is about brand consistency and how to be consistent with your brand and what a brand actually is. A lot of people think brand is a color, colors and a logo, and that's not branding at all. Your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. It's what your brand stands for. It's what people think about you, how they perceive you Mm -hmm. based on what you're putting out. And so I want people to be consistent in what they're putting out by thinking about it and making a plan for their brand mm. rather than just letting it create itself. Because if you're not careful, that brand, whether you like it or not, is going to create itself. So you might as well take a real active yes. role making it happen. Well, that's, right? the, that's the thing. You know, they say that about design, right? You either, yeah. you, you either, whether you design or not, you're making a design. 100%. You know, whether you invest in, dis, in defining how the world perceives you or not, the world will find a way to perceive you and it will be remarkably consistent across a lot of places. I know. Isn't that amazing? So yeah, I just want people to think about it. It's just not something that we think about consciously. I think it just, it's unconscious, but I want them to think about it. I want the readers to think about that. Uh, Philosophy number five is to use the unsales tactic, which we talked about. Uh, Philosophy number six is to put your positive pants on. (laughs) <laughs> um, there's a great author and, uh, he did a Ted talk named Sean Acor who really influenced I've interviewed my him. Business. I love yeah. Sean Acor. I love it. It's one of my favorite interviews I've ever done. Oh my gosh. I met him a couple of years ago and I swear I was just struck by how genuine and kind and amazing he was. Mm-hmm. I am, I am a huge fan and advocate of his, but he taught me a lot about positive psychology and how, yeah. how important it is. And as, as a I would say that I'm not uh, predisposed to think of the good in all the situations, right? but it has really changed my life by changing my mindset mm. about that. So we're going to talk about positivity mindsets and how negativity can destroy what you're trying to sure, create. Sure. And it can often come from you and not sure. other people. <laughs> you, if you if you look at the next sales call as something that's going to be, it's not going to go well, I got a news Absolutely. for you. It's not going to go well. How, yeah. do you, how do you do that? How do you fight the negative self-talk with positive self-talk? Absolutely. So that's all in philosophy number six. Philosophy number seven is to keep learning, to be a student constantly, um, but also to learn by teaching others. So Mm -hmm. as you learn things, to be able to put that information out there, and then you learn by what your tribe is learning from you. Uh, There's so much value in being mentored 
but just as much in being a mentor. And so I'm going to talk about about poking the box, really. That's Seth Godin's thing where he talks about poke the box. And he, he says, like, you know, we've lost the art of trying things and learning new things by just pressing buttons and see what happens. Mess it up and then fix it and then mess it up again and fix it. And I want people to get into that childlike mindset where we're learning new things and we're thinking of failures as learning experiences and how to fail upward rather than right. letting it hold us back. And so right. many women let um, fear of what other people think hold them back. And really, that's a learning issue and not anything else. And so I want them to learn how to keep learning as adults. We forget, I think. And everything so, that doesn't work, what is it, Thomas Edison? Is it, I, didn't, I, didn't, uh, I didn't fail. I just learned 10,000 yeah. ways that it won't work. 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb, yeah, right, yeah. right? Or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah exactly. Not to make electricity. So, uh, so that's keep learning, number seven. Number eight is to understand why you're doing what you're doing. Um, I heard a great talk from Rob Bell. And the he talks why about, is so important. Oh, so important. He talks about you're a key guy. And a key guy is the Japanese word for the thing that gets you up in the morning, hmm. which I think is so much more. I love, Rob, I love Rob Bell, by the way. Me too. It's so much more pointed than understand your why, right? That can be such a big question. Well, why are you doing this? Oh, mm -hmm. there's so many, so much baggage and layers behind that's like an onion. But what right. is the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning? And if you can put your finger on that, and I'm going to try to help you do that in that section, figure out why and then and then tell other people what that is they connect to you so much faster right. they're going to become advocates of your product and become sticky customers customers who buy rebuy and tell other people to buy which is right. what you want right so much faster if you just start with that information first yeah rather than the facts and figures and you had okay? such a you have such a powerful anecdote for that did was it did you find it or did you have to did you have to find it do you know what i mean yeah like, uh, like when you look back <laughs> right. I was, but when you look back, is it clear that that was your moment or did you in the moment know that that was the moment? Does that make sense? Yeah. When it happened, I did not, I didn't quite understand it until I started looking back and started analyzing my behaviors. Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? Mm -hmm. Why am I making this choice? What is making me scared about this right now? Right. Uh, and when I started putting all those things together and started asking and keep asking myself why questions about it, why? Why? Well, because this. Why? Because this. Why? Those are the things that unpack that final that final thing. And whatever it, whatever it is, it's going to be the thing that makes you emotional to talk about. It's hard for me to talk about the death of my mother and wanting to live a significant life for my mm -hmm, kids mm -hmm. and leave a legacy without getting emotional about it. And that's when I know I've hit the nail, right? This mm -hmm. is the thing that gets me out of bed in the morning. For me, I don't want women to feel like I did, which was alone and desperate for something that was mine, for something that would fulfill me. Because it, look, no matter how much success you have, if you're not fulfilled when you get right, there, right. it doesn't mean anything. It's the ultimate failure, as Tony right. Robbins would say. Yeah. Success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. And I don't want my life looking back, I don't wanna be on my deathbed and think I should have done that. I didn't because my kids were at home and I thought that was gonna make me a bad mom. I was afraid to say the thing that I wanted. Mm -hmm. um, and if you keep asking yourself why, eventually you're going to get to that place where you understand the thing that gets you out of bed in the morning. And for me, it's so that no other woman has to feel the way that I did mm. when I was in my house with my kids and miserable Yeah, because it doesn't feel good. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't sound like it feels good. <laughs> uh, so that's number, no, number eight. Number nine is to treat your business like a business. So many women treat their business like hobbies and then they get paid like a hobby. Mm. You want to get paid on your business like it's a business 
You need to work your tail off and treat it like it's a business. And that means a lot of things. Could mean lawyers. It could mean getting um, your taxes in order. It could mean, you know, getting professionals to help you, having pe- hiring people that are um, have a strength where your weakness is. But it's about treating your business like it's an actual business, like it's your own and owning it as such, um, and then talking about it as such rather than, oh, well, I'm embarrassed of it. This is just something I'm doing on the side. Please don't right. judge me by this business success right. or failure. Right, right. Right? We're too afraid to go all in. I want you to go 100% all in. Your head is on fire for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. This is what you do. And then other people around you will start treating your business like a business too because you did first. Right. And, you, right? and, that, and that's true about anything. If you're if you're an artist, if treating yourself and being honest with yourself that that is the artist that you are. When you're a business person, that this is a business, like you said, when you treat it like a hobby, when you talk about it like a hobby, when you let others talk to you about it like it's a hobby, it it will be a hobby. Yeah, absolutely. And would you be embarrassed if you were getting a nine to five paycheck from, you know, Joe down the road at whatever corporation? No, you're not embarrassed to collect a paycheck. Why are you embarrassed to collect a paycheck that you created yourself? Mm -hmm. So many women are ashamed of bringing in that kind of money or having that kind of eyes on them. And I'm here to change that completely. Mm -hmm. That needs to stop right now. And so number nine is about treating your business like a business. Great. Number 10 is to set goals, work hard, and then refuse to fail. The truth is when you own your own business, nobody can fire you. Right. (laughs) You are the only person that can fire yourself. Right, right. So if you decide you're going to refuse to fail at this, this is going to be your thing. And you will iterate it a million times if you have to, to make it work. Mm -hmm. It will work eventually. Mm -hmm. It will work. It's about you setting the goal that you want, working hard at it taking all the feedback that you can, reiterating the idea, turning it over, changing it, adding little portions to it so that it's different enough from your competition where you can refuse to fail at this business and eventually it can be the thing that takes off for you. Or it will be the thing that leads you to, to the, the thing, thing that, that takes, takes off. off. Right. right, right. That's that, so, that's that learn from your failures. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So those are the 10 philosophies and they can apply to anyone in any business. I don't care if you are doing a direct sales. I don't care if you have a brick and mortar business, if you're an Etsy seller, if you're selling stuff on Amazon, eBay, if you, you know, are creating wood signs on Etsy. I don't really care. This will apply to all of those things. Mm-hmm. It's really a package of a foundation. Hey, here's how to think about the foundation for your business so that you can have what you want and you don't get five years in and go, dang, if I'd only known that at the beginning, or right. I wish I'd have changed that back then when this book came out. Yeah. Uh, now is the time to set yourself up for success. And there are mm-hmm. 10 ways to do that. I'm about to show you all 10 of them. And well, you just told us all 10 of them, but you got to have the book <laughs> in order to really um, open it up. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I think it's going to be a life changer and a business changer for a lot of people. I'm really excited about seeing the philosophies in action, yeah. seeing the fruit of the work that these women are going to have to put in. Yeah. Well, and I also think so. I know your your angle is you're a mom entrepreneur. I know that that's mm-hmm. your I know that that's your portmanteau, and I and I love that. But I don't think this is just for moms that want a side hustle. I don't think this is just no. for people who are trying to find that extra layer of satisfaction. I think there there are some tenets here that that should be in you know that should be up there in the pantheon of great business books. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, that's what I'm hope. It's my hope. It's my hope to put. Uh, women in business, specifically mothers in business. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of us, like there are a lot of us, the amount of money that we get towards our business is lower than men, but there, there are a lot of us who want this and who are trying this. It's my hope that we can put this thing on the map so that it becomes 
more easily accessible for women who say, yeah, that's what I want, but right there, the, but afterward is the thing that keeps us from doing the thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And my hope that this book fills in that, but blank, but nothing, but nothing, you have to do it. If this is in your heart to do, you have to do it no matter what anybody else thinks about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's not going to hold you back. It's going to push you forward. It's yeah. going to make better relationships for you. It's going to make you more fulfilled in your life. It's going to make you a better mother. It's going to make you a better wife. Mm -hmm. All of those things are true for me. When I am fulfilled in my business because it's my top value, I am more fulfilled in every other part of my life. Mm. Even the ones I'm choosing to set aside at that time. Right. Right. And and you will have to do that. We talk about the, a lot about balance in this book. And I think balance is BS. Uh, I don't think that you can have all the things balanced at one time. You know, I'm not going to be as balanced physically if mm -hmm. I'm working 20 hours a day in my business. And there was a time where I was doing that. I let absolutely everything else go. And I allowed that to happen. I chose what to set down at that time. There was a time for me to pick that back up. And, and another thing that women do is figure out figure that they can just do it all in the amount of time that they have in a day. Mm -hmm. I'll just do everything with excellence. Well, no, that's not going to happen. Sometimes you're going to have to give your kid a box of Cheerios and say, have fun and get back to right. your office and figure out the mess later. Also, if you figure think, out the laundry later. <laughs> right. If you think you're going to do everything to excellence when you inevitably cannot do everything to right. excellence, you will feel like a failure and you will self-perpetuate that and you'll feel like you're doing yep. everything, uh, yep. just everything wrong. And I'm here to break that myth that there is this perfect standard of a woman because we think she exists because we see her all the time on social media and her kid is right. sleeping angelically on the bed while she takes pictures of her in perfect hair. That's not my kids look like they've woken up ready for fight club. Oh, Every, yeah. Like, my, my kids look like feral <laughs> children when, when I when I have extra work to do. Yeah, Are you homeless? Where yeah. are you even coming from? It looks so, like it looks like they like Nell, like they found her in an abandoned cabin. She's been living there for 10 years. Uh, where did you come from? Yeah, exactly. I want people to know, like, look, it's going to be messy. Real mm -hmm. hustle is not a sexy thing. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a mess and you're going to love every friggin' second of it. When you, when you step back and look at it, you're going right. to love the mess. And if you don't love the part between start and end, then there's no point. Right. And for me, I just wasn't loving the point between start and end in mothering. And that was telling me there's something else here. Right. There's something else. Yeah. Uh, you know what I love too is all of your tenants. Uh, are reflective of of things that other people have said. Not 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 yeah. not, not gonna say people that are smarter than you, but like yeah yeah yeah. But people that come before me. Yeah, people. But like PhDs and stuff. We talk about the the importance of positivity. Yeah. Uh, people that talk about the and and how positive self talk and relationship yep. building and how yep. all of that perpetuates itself and how when you think like a failure, you will fail. About the neat importance of planning and visualization and just like the. The kind of mental tenacity that you're describing is required on a on a on a moment to moment basis to yep. be the kind of entrepreneur that you mean is is exactly the kind of stuff that all of the uh, mindfulness meditation people talk about. It's exactly yep. the kind of stuff that all the positivity psychologists talk about. That all of these life coaches that I've talked to, and yep. and even honestly, we had Lauren Zander on the show, and she's. Mm -hmm. She's all about that sort of brutal honesty. And it's not just brutal honesty with other people in, in an attempt to hurt them. It's brutal honesty with yourself in terms of what your skill set is. And and, yes. and and that's a big part of your thing, too. I, I, I'm like, I'm hearing a lot of things that are really resonating is my point. Yeah, well, that's good. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, I'm excited about it. I think it's going to be and it is. It's really just stuff that I have learned. It's the things that mm. I had heard. And then and I'm going to tell you the stories about 
how I learned that lesson. Hey, look, here, here's how I know this is true in my own businesses. Here's how I know this is true in other people's businesses as I'm, as an observer, I'm not just going to tell you, Hey, this is what you need to do. Here's the facts and figures of how you do that. I'm going to tell you the stories about how this has actually been true in business. And so you can take it to the bank and use it. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I want to look, first of all, I'm sold. I want to copy this book. I want to be a boss <laughs> baby. I want to be a boss woman. <laughs> Uh, a mom entrepreneur. I'm in. Okay, good. But uh, but what is uh, so we're gonna wrap this up. But I but there's a couple questions I, I still want to ask you. One is what is the number one thing that you wish you would have known when you were getting started? I wish I would have known that it's okay. Whatever I want is mm. okay. People are gonna judge you, or they're gonna try to get you to change your mind to do whatever's best for them all the time. In truth, most people just really are selfish. We are all selfish. We want what's best for us. And so when other people don't comply to that, it makes us frustrated and angry. And I used to try to placate those people and try to please them. And somehow I can get it all done. And I wish in the beginning I just had just told my or somebody had told me or I had learned early on, you will never be able to make those people happy no matter how much free stuff you give them. Right. It does not matter. Eventually they will get pissed when it doesn't when it doesn't go their way, right? And they aren't looking out for you. They're looking out for them. You have to do what's best for you no matter what anybody else thinks about it. Mm. No matter what, you have to make yourself happy because you're the one that has to think inside your own head for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. It's just you, right? It's right. just you. So you might as well do the thing that's set in your heart to do. It's probably there for a good reason, mm -hmm. even if other people don't understand it. Yeah. That's, I mean, I think, I think that's, that's a great, that's a great takeaway. Okay. Now, finally, uh, how can people follow up with you? Um, well, I'll put a link to the, to the book okay. in the show notes, but, but where else, what else can they do? Listen, I am the most active on Instagram. Isn't everybody all my, these all days? All my moms. I love Instagram so much. I am just, I find myself going further and further away from Facebook recently. And I was, you know, like a, a lot of my business runs on Facebook. Everything's mm -hmm. done online for me. So, uh, I, you know, I, there's Facebook certainly serves a role, but for me, Instagram is the place to find me at Lindsay Teague, L I N D S A Y T E A G U E. Oh, I'll just put a link to it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Link and then, to, so link come to your find Instagram in the show notes. Find me there. I've got a website, but all those links are there for you. So just find me on Instagram and you should be able to find me anywhere else. And this one last question, and I ask it to everybody, but you've kind of touched on already, but I'm still going to ask it explicitly. <laughs> what is one thing that people can start doing today that will make their life a whole lot better? Um, I think having the conversation that's hard to have. Uh, one thing that I hear consistently across the board is this person doesn't support me or this person makes fun of me or, um, you know, my husband doesn't want me to do that. And I, I think that it's time to have real hard conversations with people where we say stuff like, listen, we use the, when you, I feel, because this is my, this is my triple threat. When you do this, I feel this because this, right? When you, I do, or when you, I feel because. So is to have a conversation with that cousin who constantly makes the remark at the dinner table every time you guys are together for family, family dinner about your business. Oh, she's still doing that. Or those little slide comments and just pull that person aside and say, Hey, look, when you say those things, it makes me feel belittled because my business is really important to me. Mm -hmm. And I thought our relationship was really important to you, but we can't have the kind of relationship that I want to have if you don't respect the, the choices that I'm making for my life. I have to live with my choices and this is mm -hmm. really what I want. Can you support me? 
And I think we avoid those conversations so much because we're afraid to hurt people. Yeah. But that's a boundary you need to set for yourself yeah. and to go out. And even if it's your husband, I had to have that conversation where we were in a, an emotionally neutral place. And I sat down and said, I need this. I need this as your wife. I've supported you in your business, right. in your career. I need you to support me in mine. And it's not about you. It's about me. Mm. And sometimes that's okay. You know, I, I know that you've done a lot of work in counseling and I know you've done a lot of work in your in yourself to get to this point of confidence. Yeah, but I yeah. cannot envision like in just the little time I've known you, I cannot envision a meek Lindsay saying like, oh, I just want you to know when you I feel because I yeah. imagine you grabbing the person that annoys you by the collar of their shirt, pitting them up against the wall and saying, listen, bub, oh, I am I a know. boss woman. Let me tell you what, though. Get out of I'm my not, way or I'm going to run I'm you over. There. I wish I was. God, I wish I was. Uh, no, I am. Um, so you know about the Enneagram? Of course. I'm a seven. Okay. So I'm an eight with a wing of nine uh-huh. sometimes. And I'm an eight with a wing of seven sometimes. Seven's fun. <laughs> I like being a seven. I, the nine in me hates confrontation. Yeah. And hates displeasing. Peace, for those of you who don't know it, that's the peacemaker. <laughs> the nine is the peacemaker. peacemaker. And that part in me is bigger than I thought. I used to be intimidating to keep people at, at a distance. But now I find myself, I don't need that anymore. Mm-hmm. That doesn't serve me. And I don't need that anymore to keep people at a distance. But I find myself a people pleaser much of the time. And so I will do the thing that's going to keep people happy and liking me. Lindsay's nice. She mm-hmm. wants to do things mm-hmm. for her mm-hmm. um, to my detriment at times. Um, and I avoid confrontation. I avoid having the conversations that I need to have uh, because I don't want to have confrontation. I grew up with a lot of confrontation in my house when I was younger. And so I avoid it. Mm. And I'm I'm learning to be better than that, uh, to be better at that and to have that not all confrontation is bad or a conflict is bad that I can learn from it. But I do avoid it. Um, because I don't want people to not like me or not want, you know, not think that I'm a cool kid, (laughs) right? Like there's something in me that still wants that acceptance. Um, and so I find myself making choices so that I can keep that knowing full well that I actually need detractors in order for me to be successful in my life. There has to be people that like me and don't because what I, what I say has to push the envelope a little bit. That's how you know Uh, you're doing something. Right. I know you're making it, you're, you're adding to the world and that's what I want. I want, there's got to be people that don't like me. And so I'm working through that. I am. Yeah. Well, what is it? The no no prophet is welcome in his own town. That's a, (laughs) if you're, if you're saying something significant, you're going to be stepping on toes. Well, once again, uh, our guest today has been Lindsay Teague Moreno, and we just appreciate you so much. The book boss up link in the show notes where you can, you can really dive into all 10 of these tenants and uh, and come on, guys, start your own business like today. Let's do this. Yeah, plus I, come I on, am come I am motivated to start applying this to some of the other side projects that I have. I am I I'm very I'm very very excited. And I think this is the kind of thing that everybody needs to hear. So uh, again, that. links to your Instagram, links to the book in the show notes, and uh, we just appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Give thank you. What you you find the you find the the, the best guests and uh, I uh, th- boy this is just that's cr- cr- Chrissy does a lot of the heavy lifting on that. She's yeah, our booker. Chris, Chrissy Wallen, yeah. yeah. I I am going to be uh, th- see this lit up the relit my entrepreneurial spirit. I, I I'm glad. I it, it's you know there's just so many ways out there with with the with the internet to make to make a little bit of additional money and you might as well we might as well embrace it. 
Uh, so I hope you guys enjoyed the show today. That's it for our show today. If you like Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast, please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. It helps us out a lot. Also, if you could just tell one friend about it, we double our listenership, and it would also that would really help us out. Uh, and, and if you don't like it, then you know, don't don't say anything. If you want to follow up with us, John is what's, on. What's not to like? <laughs> right, yeah, right, yeah, right, right, right. John is on Facebook, facebook.com slash John Tesh. That's where we spend the most time. We post videos, go live, try to respond to every comment over there and, and hear what you guys are saying. He's also on Twitter, at John Tesh, on Instagram, at John Tesh underscore IFYL. I am Gib Gerard, facebook.com slash Gib Gerard, at Gib Gerard on Instagram and Twitter. I try to respond to every comment there. And if you have any kind of things that you guys want to tell us about or things that we should cover, those are the places to let me know. We, more than anything else, we just really appreciate you guys listening because we really can't do this without you. And, uh, and yeah, I appreciate all the feedback you guys have given. Thank you. So if you had joined us before the interview, you know, we were talking about music and and math and everything. So what Gib was doing was he was counting measures in, in part of his head, in his <laughs> lizard brain, as that song was going. As he was talking and he was trying, this is what sportscasters, they, they, they dream of doing this, and he just did it. Well, it's magic. the same song he, every time. I know just the beat. Did, I can't do it, and I wrote the thing. He, 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 he just, it just happens naturally. Thank you, Gib Gerard. <laughs>